0: Welcome to the Inside Edge. You know, there is a, an age-old saying, uh, day late and a dollar short. We're actually a day early. We're still a dollar short. Blue Jackets are not coming back to practice until tomorrow at Nationwide Arena, coming out of their long all-star mid-season break, whatever you want to call it. And then they'll open a home-and-home series with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Friday here at Nationwide Arena, finish it off on Saturday in Toronto. So, Jody, it's been... Uh, I've been telling people that ask me... Like, this break for me, the first day or two, I was like, I got to do something. I feel like I'm, you know, we're, we're going yeah. so much during the season. I feel like I got to do something. I, I, I'm i bored. I can't just be sitting around here. And then by day four, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. And, <laughs> and then by yesterday, I'm like, I got to do a show tomorrow. <laughs> so it, it, it's good to get back to work because it's time to get back to work here.
1: Yeah, you know what? I mean, the break is great. And you always think about the players and how they're feeling because they're not, they got to get out of the break and be – top-notch athletes and and get right back in their game and I remember being on break as a player and yeah the first couple days were great but then the anxiety takes over and it's like okay I got to try I can't eat that I got to get on the bike I got to go work out and and do these exercises and if you have an injury you got to do rehab and you know it's a big process yeah but for us it's been great I mean you know you're back uh, reconnecting and trying to get stuff done around the house and Trying to catch up with friends and then actually organizing things. That uh, I mean, it's been a nonstop, uh, drop the bag, pick it up type of start to this year. So and it's going to continue in March. So, no, it was good to take a little bit of breath. I think take a breath and step back for everybody. Uh, But no, I think we're ready. You ready to get going, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I agree. For me, it was different. It was like instead of eating fried foods that are bad for you after 10 o'clock I haven't done that for a week right but now we'll go back on the road right the game will get over and you'll say boy I really need that no you don't but anyway so we're the opposite of the players as you just said Johnny Gaudreau represented the Blue Jackets extremely well at the All-Star festivities Uh, uh had a hat trick in his game you know I thought it was um it was unfortunate to me that the way it worked out that Connor McDavid's team and Crosby and Ovechkin's team both got eliminated in the first round of the uh, the three-on-three tournament. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about big-name players and teams getting eliminated a little bit later here. Yeah. We're going to talk with Craig Button, uh, who's an analyst for TSN. We'll talk all about uh, the playoffs with that. But I-, I thought that was unfortunate. So that means Johnny, being on the Metropolitan team, only lasted the one game. But, boy, he, he really made the most of it. I really enjoyed uh, watching him play with Artemi Panarin and Kevin Hayes. Um yeah, no defenseman on his unit. <laughs> they they had to do what they could do, but Panarin set him up pretty nicely.
1: Yeah, and Hayes and, and Goodrell go back to college playing together, and they were, like, lethal as, as a duo, so they must have had so much fun doing that. Artemi Panarin is fun to watch. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't watch much of the All-Star game. But I did catch the highlights. I did catch the theme and kind of the feel around it. And, you know, they could tell, you could tell that they embraced the beach where the rink is 30 minutes from the beach there. But some of the skills were on the beach. Johnny was there with a hockey stick doing the golf at that. uh, He was at the golf course and then on the red carpet at the beach. And I thought the players enjoyed it. You know, you could see relaxed outfits. You could see the players uh, enjoying the sun. And I found it fascinating that, that there was hockey Tuesday night, though. And I kind of forgot that, There were teams that had their five-day break before the All-Star game, which I think is not ideal because you think about Johnny Gaudreau. He went, last game was uh, against Washington Tuesday, flew to uh, Florida Wednesday, started the festivities, got out of there Saturday after, and now here we are Wednesday, and he's probably wrapping up his kind of decompression part of his break. So uh, today or tomorrow, because he's got to report tomorrow, back tomorrow at 2 o'clock for practice, I think the Blue Jackets have. So... I like that there's hockey to watch this week. I was kind of down thinking, oh, what am I going to watch? But, uh, you know, the All-Star game was fun, and, and it's it's fun to see those guys get down there. I like them interacting with each other. Everything else is is a bonus, but I like how you just mentioned Crosby, Panarin, Goodreau, you know, on the same team. It, it, it's fun to see how they respect each other and, and how they can find each other on the ice. So uh, it'll be good to get things back, but I like the way the Blue Jackets have this break after the All-Star game. It uh, kind of gives you time to watch the rest of the league churn up and get excited for
0: Friday night against the Leafs. And for Johnny, it was different because he was on the Eastern Conference side for the first time. Right. And and I know you interact with guys when you go, but he's gone, what, seven times? This time he gets to play on a team with those players. I really enjoyed watching Crosby and Ovechkin play in the same unit. I mean, it was – they were just ridiculously talented. Yeah. They had goaltenders uh, – if the goaltenders were really trying 100%, Two of them would probably be crippled today because wow. the, the way they had them moving side to side. Yeah, what do
1: you do? I mean, pick your poison. And you know whatever you guess. It's like, you know, the goaltenders in soccer and a penalty kick? Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? But they're going one way, the ball's it's going the other way. kind of what it looked yeah. like, right? right? The goalie's like, ah, oh, sorry, guess wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting what you said, too, about the break. I wonder if – I don't know if the league takes this into consideration, but, like, I wonder if next year your break is before – The All-Star game, if you had it after this year. You know what I mean? That's a really
1: good point. Maybe they'll they'll flip-flop.
0: Probably uh, depends on arena schedules and all that stuff and how it works out for people. But uh, you're right. That's a good point. So the Blue Jackets able to kind of ease themselves back. And and what you said, I've been the same way the last couple of days. I turned the game on because I missed it. And, you know, it's fun to watch somebody else play as you kind of get – mentally geared up to go back to work well how many
1: days do we really have to watch hockey you know with all the games coming and then prepping for the night you know the the game before it's it's nice to have nothing to do tomorrow because we can watch hockey again tonight so it's uh, a lot of teams started with back-to-back it's not just the blue Jackets starting with the back-to-back games it's kind of and think about that you go from zero for 10 days for for the majority 99 percent of the team except for johnny and now you go right up to a hundred with a game at home, get on the plane, go to Toronto, play a game, come home, have a day off, and then I think there's one practice day. And then you know what? I was going to talk about that, practice days. Do we have time now or you yeah, want to go talk ahead. about later? Oh, you're good. Because, you know, that's where coaches can make an impact on a team. And there's not been a lot of practice this year at all, and there's not going to be much at all coming moving forward. So when you think about the league and some of the teams that are struggling and teams that are trying to find their way, and even here with the Blue Jackets and, and Brad Larson – it's really got his hands tied for developing and sitting and setting a, a tone and, and kind of setting uh, the systems that they want to play and making corrections. You can watch video. I can watch video with you all day, and we can sit there and go, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I got to do that. Oh, yeah, you're right, I missed that. But when you get out there on the ice and you feel it and you see it and you go through those reps and, and you know, you're feeling the puck, that's what's something that's lacking a little bit so far this season with the Blue Jackets and a lot of the league is – finding days to practice, balancing the rest with the practice to get the results. And it's going to be interesting here down the stretch uh, to see what happens with some of these teams.
0: Yeah, and it all starts, as you said, tomorrow at 2 o'clock. The Blue Jackets will have a practice coming out of the All-Star break. Coming up, we're going to cover... The Blue Jackets in the Maple Leafs as they get set for this head-to-head home-and-home that they've got uh, coming up this weekend. Also, we'll talk about, uh, let's see, the Blue Jackets prospect pool. We'll talk about the draft. We're going to cover a lot of things in the NHL with Craig Button from TSN. He will join us as the Inside Edge continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets return to action on Friday night here at Nationwide Arena when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs in a home-and-home series. A true home-and-home, Jody, where they're going to play in Columbus on Friday, in Toronto on Saturday. Don't seem to have those very much anymore.
1: No, I've seen them throughout the league, though, a couple times this year. It's interesting. It's kind of – It's tough because we're not going to get a day in Toronto. We always enjoy being in Canada. But it'll be interesting to see the game and and how it's played here at Nationwide Arena and then there back in uh, Toronto. So it'll be fun.
0: Well, let's bring in a guy that uh, is in Toronto right now, and that is Craig Button, who works for TSN, and uh, he knows all things in the uh, center of the hockey universe. Correct, Craig?
2: I don't know if that's correct Uh, you know, don't be fooled by, you know, I try to stay on top of things. It's a big league. You guys know it. You follow the blue jackets, right. And there's a lot of things, you know, it's interesting over the last few days, I've just zeroed in. I watched the Islanders the last two games. I watched the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, get shellacked by uh, Florida. And then they come back, they have a lead against the sharks. You know, I watched Pittsburgh, Colorado, just trying to get a feel for, you know, as, as we head into the deadline, you know, some of the teams, because now we're asked, okay, who do you think has a good chance to to compete? What does a team need at the trade deadline? What do you, you know? You know, you look at the situation in Columbus. I mean, you're sitting on a player there, Vladislav Gavrikov, potentially Gus Nyquist, depending on how teams view his injury and if if, the, if he can heal for the playoffs. So trying to understand where players can fit and watching those teams, it becomes necessary. But there's a lot of games and a lot of teams. So if you don't zero in on it, you're gonna you're you're not gonna you're not gonna feel. as confident talking about
0: them well let's talk about uh, the Leafs for just a second here because obviously you know what the Blue Jackets injury situation is now and what it has been throughout the entire season Uh, the Leafs they haven't had Austin Matthews here uh, for a bit so uh, that's a big injury for them but we don't feel sorry for them here Craig because we have about four (laughs) of those guys
2: yeah, you know, you shouldn't feel sorry for them. You know, you know one of Austin Matthews' teammates at the National Team Development Program, Zach Wierenski, goes out early in the season, right? So, I mean, you lose a number one defenseman, I mean, that becomes a, a real hole in your lineup. You can put other bodies in there, but you don't replace Zach Wierenski. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone through some different challenges this year. You know, goaltending beginning, Matt Murray and Nelia Samsonoff were out. You know, then they had those defensemen go out, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, Morgan and, and they really played well i i think they found a, a form of game that that they can carry through come playoff time that i think is essential for them being able to have success they know who they're going to play in the first round is tampa bay lightning but you, you know it, it, people talk about you know flipping a switch come playoff time there's things you, there's things you have to be able to do but you don't just turn the switch I think for the Toronto Maple Leafs being able to, to find that form in the absence of some really good players, some really important players, will help them once those players come back. There's nothing's long-term, uh, you know, with Matthews or with any of the other players that were out. So I, I think all in all, you know, it, it, it's a team that is that is is more than capable and nobody wants to be injured. But I, I, I think this just gives them another opportunity to not only test other players, But to stay true to that form that's given them success in the absence of those players.
0: Besides the way that they play in this form that you say that they may have found that will help them in the playoffs, how did they do it with the, the personnel? You know, here in Columbus, it seemed like every time a guy goes out, the guy that's coming up to replace him has little to no NHL experience. And that's been a part of what the problem has been here this year. A lot of guys are learning on the fly. How did they get through all of those injuries to their big name guys?
2: Well, I well, I think number one, you you know, recognizing that you're going to have to play a little bit differently. I that you you know, they're they're a team that wants to get on the attack, and you know, when you're missing three good defensemen, you know, you you got to be a little bit more focused in on supporting the group that's there. And obviously, you know, you got Tavares, you got Marner, you have. Uh, uh, Willie Nielander, you have some really good players that, and all you're doing is saying, hey, listen, we don't need as much offense from you. We just need you to support this group. So don't be so quick to leave the offensive zone. Be a little bit tighter in the defensive zone. And, and I think that those are things that become really, really important in the playoffs because the teams you're playing against are really good. They're really disciplined. And so you're going to need that discipline. So I think that, and, and it benefits if you have players, you don't have younger players trying to not only find the way in the NHL, but try to support a depleted lineup. And I, I think you guys know that that's what's happened in Columbus. And, you know, a young player coming into the lineup with no experience, he, he the the world's turning fast. The, the game is, is quick. And, and now you're saying, okay, now we're, we don't have this. Just make sure you do this and support us here. Well, they're, they're like kids in a candy store. They don't know what candy to pick out. And it becomes a real challenge. And, and, and certainly for Brad Larson and the coaching staff as well.
1: Yeah, it's the grind of the game, right? When you see star players go out, players have to figure out that they're not going to score from the defensive zone, and they've got to play that small game. And I think you're right. That is a benefit if you can figure it out. And I think you talked about Tampa. You know, they had a slower starter. Hedman did. But I, I think they understand that that's how you win games. And for me, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you tell me if I'm wrong, they're, they're a team that are they easy still to match up against in a, in a seven-game series?
2: Well, I think if you talk about matching up against them with the likes that Tampa Bay can throw at you and and the Boston Bruins, yeah, and I I think that that's a big part of the 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 opportunity for Cal Dubas. You know, how do how do how does he give his team a little bit more? I I, I love the word Jody Grind. How do you give that team a little bit more of that you know that stiffness? And you know, we think back, Columbus whipped the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in twenty nineteen. Just whipped them, right? Four strength. I mean, the 62 win team, and it wasn't so. So, what does Julian Bruisewall recognize? He goes, Well, oh, we got lots of skill, but we need more grind they go and get Goudreau, they go and get Blake Coleman, you know, they add to that, to, to that grind. And I think that's what Toronto, I, I'm not worried about their top end players, but how are you going to play deeper down the lineup? How are you going to make a team, you know, and, and, and you want to make a team uncomfortable as much as you can, but, but also what you want to do is you don't want a, another team to feel that they get an opportunity to relax, you know, and you know, you'll watch Boston now and I, you, you watch it. Four lines come at you. So whoever's out on the ice against those four lines, there's no there's no opportunity to rest. There's no time to go, okay, this will be a little bit easier shift. And that's what the playoffs are about. And I, I think that's what Toronto can use a lot more of. Because, you know, it's you it's small area. It's battle. Wendell Clark said to me a couple of years ago, the playoffs are about having a half a second less and three feet less. And you got to be able to operate with, in, in those parameters or you're not going to have success. That's part of uh, finding a way uh, to, to, to emerge successfully come playoff
1: time. And the urgency is so high. I mean, game one yeah. is just a mad scramble for you. You know, you get into it by game three, especially for the young players. And, and you know, I look at the Leafs and I, I, I like the way they're built, but I'm. what about their goaltending? I always feel like, you know, you talk about their defense. It's been interesting from afar to watch that.
2: You know, what's fascinating to me is, is it like the Toronto Maple Leafs and you look at their success over the last, let's call it the last four seasons, you know, the first couple of years they got into the playoffs and, you know, it wasn't expected with the young group, you know, and they, 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 they had, I mean, it was good for them. But like it always seems that despite their success, they have these overarching questions. You know, do they have enough depth? What's their blue line look like? How's their goaltending? And it's no different this year. So when we talk about Boston and we talk about Tampa Bay, we talk about questions. Do we do do we ever have questions about those teams? I mean, at the beginning of the year, we were wondering about Boston, how would they come back? But like we don't have any questions now goaltending defense, forward group in, in Tampa Bay. I know they blew a 3-1 lead. They got waxed by Florida coming out of the All-Star break. But I don't look at Tampa and go, geez, what's their overarching question? I think that to your point about the goaltending, you know, Matt Murray, it's a long time ago when he won a Stanley Cup. And, you know, has he shown stretches of, of that opportunity to, uh, to to play at that level? Yeah, but they haven't been very long, and they haven't been sustained. And that becomes a big problem. And now you have Ilya Samsonov. Young goaltender. I think he's capable, but he's unproven. And so you're going to go and throw him up against, uh, you know, Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, y- y- you've you watched him. You know, hey, the game can be 0-0 with one minute left of the game, and you- you're not even worried. He's not, okay, I'll-, I'll just keep playing until we score. You know, and and I think that that's a big factor, too. Can Samsonov deliver that? I, I really have big questions on Matt Murray. You know, I... You know, durability is a big, is a big, big asset when you're playing professional sports, and certainly when you're playing a physical sport uh, in hockey, it's necessary. I don't think he's durable.
1: You know, it's maybe it's not a fair question too, because when you look at the playoffs. I mean, that's where these guys need to step up and prove themselves, right? I mean, this is what it's about for the Leafs. It's not about anything else except the first round of the playoffs, which is a horrible dialogue to have hanging over your head. And it goes back to losing. They were up 3 nothing over the Boston Bruins in that series and blew it. And since then, it's, been that it's, it's had to have been a tough environment. What's it like there in Toronto? I mean, right from training camp, you guys are assessing every minute of what they're doing. What's the feel with the Leafs right now around the town?
2: I, I think I, I think you nailed it. It's kind of like, oh, really good regular season. Oh, really good team. Show me what you got come April, right? Show me what you got because it's six straight seasons of losing in the first round. They, they, they've they've been in position to win series. They're they're over in all their clinching games. They've had leads in the series. They've had leads in clinching games. They're over. So that does linger. That does lurk over your head and that becomes a really big issue. And there's only one way to answer it, right? You think about 2019, 62 wins for the Tampa Bay Lightning, gone like that in four straight. and wasn't even close. Wasn't even close the way the Blue Jackets dusted them. And 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 then they got to wait not only a full season but then, you know, we have the pause and they have to wait till, you know, ramp up again in July end of July August, right? So that's where the lease find themselves and you know, you, 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 look at, you know, where they've been at and, and how they've, how they've blown these leads, how they've blown these opportunities, you know? So until you answer them, there's going to be questions. And, and, and I think that the, 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 that is, that is the overarching question, Jody. That is what, that that is what exists there. It's not going away until they show that they can emerge from a playoff series victorious. It, it won't. And, and, you know, I, I know they have a lot of belief in their group. Well, the, the, and, and, and it's warranted. There's nothing wrong with having belief in your group, but now they got to, it's not about talk anymore. It's about, you know, finding results.
1: Well, Bob, they got to be excited because it's finally February. So they've had to wait all off season, all regular season. Now they get the push.
0: Yeah. And, uh, the push, it's going to be, now it's a sprint, right? You yeah. always say it's not, a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Now it's a sprint from here on out. We are talking with Craig Button. He is a hockey analyst for TSN in Canada. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. But first, let me tell you, to renew your season tickets by March 31st and guarantee your seats for next year, you can act right now by going to bluejackets.com slash renew now and receive significant savings and a chance to win one of over 1,200 prizes. The Inside Edge continues after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you, and we're talking right now with hockey analyst Craig Button from TSN in Canada. You've been talking a lot about playoff situations and how to play in the playoffs. Let's talk about the playoff format because I saw the piece that you did on TSN just a couple of days ago. Uh, It comes off of Sidney Crosby being asked at the All-Star festivities about the playoff format, and it seems that he, and I'm sure other players are are looking at, boy, it'd be nice to go back to a one versus eight in the first round of the playoffs, just like you were talking about with the Leafs earlier. You said uh, you're matching them up against uh, Boston and Tampa Bay those would be the first two teams you would have to play in the playoffs in the Atlantic Division. So that's a that's a pretty tough uh, road to hoe right there. But if it would get back to that 1-8, it would seem uh, that you would maybe keep some of your better teams in the playoffs longer. Now, the commissioner, I didn't really quite understand what he was saying about the the unbalanced schedule with all that whole thing. Like, everybody plays everybody the, pretty much the same amount of times here. But what what do you think? Is there a chance to go back to that 1-8 versus eight in the conference?
2: Well, you know, we talk about February and it being a sprint. Well, March Madness is coming up, and and I use that as an example. So when they when they reveal the seedings on the Sunday night, you don't see a two versus three seed in the second round of the regionals. You just don't, because you want your best teams playing deeper into the tournament. Well, the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs are, are a tournament. Why? do you, Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay are three of the best six seven teams in the league. So you know, barring any upset. Two of those teams, at the very least, are gone. Gone at the end of the second round. You have a huge market in uh, in in Toronto huge market in Boston, and you have a, a, a three-time Stanley Cup finalist, two-time Stanley Cup champion in Tampa Bay. So you think it's a great idea to have these teams gone early in early in your playoff format? I, I don't think it is. I think you go to the regular season, and you want to... I believe if you have an 82-game schedule, you want your top teams to be rewarded. How do they get rewarded? It's not by Toronto having a good season and having to play Tampa Bay. It just isn't. To me... You finish first, you get the AC. You finish second, and, and then you have races in there. Like, can you imagine a race somebody's going, geez, I want to get the second because I think our chances of beating that team are better than us matching up against number six. I, I think that that becomes even more incentive for the regular season to be meaningful as much as we want the best teams playing it, deeper into the playoffs. That's what I would like to see. Uh, so I concur with Sidney Crosby 100%. Yeah, and
0: it's not like you're asking for them to come up with a new idea. I mean, no. it used to be this way.
2: It it, it did. And, and we, we know that, like, if you're going to have division playoffs, yeah, there's going to be good robberies. But think about a couple of years ago. You know, the Washington Capitals played the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have Ovechkin in the biggest hockey market in the planet in Toronto. Well, like, how, how could that develop? Imagine if Pittsburgh gets to play Toronto. Like how would that look? Like there's opportunities. I, I get oh, we want to build division rivalries. Listen, you know what? You want to grow the game. You don't know what kind of rivalries will be born out of, of, of new matchups. So let them evolve. And you know, I just use Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin. How would how would it be for any rating for them to be able to play in Toronto? Like, and I just use Toronto. There's other markets. There's other big markets that would benefit from that. I think that that would be significant as well
0: yeah and this whole strengthening divisions i went at the broadcast meetings i the commissioner was asked about this and and i i couldn't believe the answer they talk about strengthening divisional rivalries and as it stands right now you're losing two division games after Seattle comes in. They took two games out of division to give you the two games against the Kraken. Uh, In the Blue Jackets' case, three games against Carolina this year and three games against New Jersey instead of four, as they normally would have. Hey, by the way, though, Craig, this year I'm okay with not having that extra game against those teams. But but you know what I mean? I mean, Pittsburgh loses a game against the Rangers and the Flyers, and that's not only detrimental in the standings for them, but uh, a lot of money too. So don't talk to me about division rivalries until you solve that.
2: I agree with you Bob and and the other part of it too and I hear this and I, I've heard this from a number of people well, well yeah you make uh, you you make you make more money with the division rivals the playoffs are sold out <laughs> like you're not making any more money like you know this idea that the, the, like you're not like you know and and I think you can make even more money by keeping your best teams around longer
1: yeah it's it's true hey Craig I want to ask you about just the league in general you know because it's uh, we get to see every team once but You know, we talk about Boston. We talk about all these teams. What do you think about the Pittsburgh Penguins and what they're doing? And also the Devils. I mean, I'm going to stay in the East because it's been two stories out of the gate that there's been Jekyll and Hyde with Pittsburgh for sure, but then New Jersey, they they seem to keep – they're keeping things together there.
2: So let's go with New Jersey, you know, they're emerging, right? And they got a good young group. They went, they, they went through some difficult seasons, but even early on, and, you know, we're, there's always going to be a skepticism with a team playing. So, well, can they sustain it? That seems to be the big word we use now, sustainability. And But they've shown it. They, they, every team's going to go through a stretch where they're not at their best and they, they get challenged and we question it. But I think New Jersey's been very, very solid. And, you know, they're going to have to go through some of those uh, moments where they're going to have to learn. You know, y- y- you can tell a young group of players, hey, this is what it takes. But, you know, when a player gets into that situation, and I, oh, okay, now I know what that, I know what they mean by the intensity, I know what they mean now by the grind. You can tell young players all you want about the playoff grind or the NHL grind until they get there. That's when they, re- and the playoffs are about learning experiences. Very few young teams get into the playoffs and have immediate success. Very, very few. It's It's Rare. So I think the New Jersey Devils, where they find themselves, it's wonderful. It's brilliant. You know, do I think they're a team that uh, is a contender? Yes. But I put them in a second tier of contenders. I think a lot of things have to go right for them to be able to have. I, I think they're still in that learning curve. Now, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're not there. Watching the game last night against Colorado, if it wasn't for Casey DeSmith, that game's 7 nothing at the end of the second period. I mean, Colorado just owned the game. And Casey DeSmith, Latang scores the winning goal. He made sure that Casey DeSmith got the player of the, uh, of the game award. And, you know, Pittsburgh found their way because of the goaltender, Casey DeSmith. You know, Pittsburgh's in a grind. You talk about a grind. They're in a grind to make the playoffs. And certainly that's not where Ron Hextall envisioned his team being when he made the moves in the offseason. You know, add, adding Jack Petrie, signing on Ruta. I mean, Ruta's out right now. But this is not a team, you know, that, you know, with Sidney being 35, and Malcolm being 36, and Latang being in, in, in his mid-30s, that, that they're looking to build. They're looking to win. And I, I you talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I I don't know one of the things that really struck me last night was the speed of Colorado versus Pittsburgh I I, I thought Pittsburgh struggled uh at, at at real long portions of that game with the speed of Colorado and again if it wasn't for Casey the Smith I mean it's not even a it's not even a close game but I think that Pittsburgh could use a, an infusion of speed, a couple of players with, with speed. and it that, They don't need high-end players. I think they just need some more speed in their lineup.
1: And looking at uh, some of the other teams, is there an organization right now that would excite you to be a part of? Maybe, be a, maybe they offered you the GM position. You're like, all right, I want to choose this team because they are exactly where they need to be. Uh, they're about to take that next step, and they're going to be good for a while.
2: Yeah, like I, like I, I, you just touched on New Jersey. I think New Jersey ha- has that capability. Uh, you know you, you, the the LA Kings. I I I think they're on the right path. And I'm not saying this because I'm on with you guys, but but the Columbus Blue Jackets have a lot of really good, talented players in their group at important positions. And and I'm sure we're going to get a little bit into the draft here. But, you know, you sign Goudreau, you sign Line, but, you you know, you look at the young players. Zach Wierenski is a young player, signed long-term. you got David Yerichuk, who's coming, a big, strong defenseman. You have Denton Matejchuk, who who, will be supported well. Swazil's having a great year in Regina. Kent Johnson, you know, you you, you start to look at him. Cole Sillinger, whoever the first-round pick is going to be this year, it's going to be a significant player. And so now you start to look at the pieces and you start to look – well, there's a lot of good pieces there, and and I know there's disappointment in Columbus. I know Yarmo's disappointed, but there's a lot. But when the cupboards are not bigger in any way, shape, or form, and when you have a number one left winger, you have a number one right winger, you have a number one defenseman, you have players with skill throughout the lineup that can really add. You have some good depth, like I, like I, I like you know for Columbus Blue Jackets fans, you know I I know the excitement would be huge to get Connor Bedard. But to get an Adam Fantilli or to get a, a Leo Carlson, a centerman that can play with those guys, I, I, like the, the, it, I think the future is really bright for Columbus. I really do.
1: Okay, that's good. I mean, because I, I'll tell you something. When I left here in two thousand and eight, the dialogue was for the next three years: "Oh, we got these guys coming. We got these draft picks. These Russians will be here. It's going to be fantastic." Uh, but you've seen these young players. You think this is a different feel around this team?
2: I do. Well, okay, so Goudreau and line HP for themselves, right? Full cylinder, you've watched him. He's only 19, Cole. He's only going to get better. You know, you look at Ken Johnson. Ken Johnson has been a fantastic player. He, he baptism by fire in the NHL, right? So you have whoever the first round pick is going to be. Marchenko's come up and played really well. Chinnikoff is hurt, right? So where's he going to be? But, you know, when, when you start with a, with a, with, with, with Zach Wierenski, how many teams in the end, like Jody and Bob, you know this. I mean, everybody has a number one defenseman, but how many teams have a true number one defenseman? Half of them. Uh, You know, I might be, I don't know. It could be 18. Mm -hmm. Well, the the blue jackets have one of them. (laughs) I mean, Zach is a a star. He's a, he's a brilliant number one defenseman. So when I look at all the elements that they have and yeah, you got to be patient and yeah, you don't want to keep waiting for next year and next year. But I, I think the, I think they're positioned with good players, difference-making players, and players, now it becomes easier, not that it's easy, but it becomes easier to fill in behind those guys. Try finding a number-one defenseman and a number-one left winger and a scoring uh, winger like Line A in, 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 who's got size, playmaking, centerman. Good luck. Those are hard to find.
1: Yeah, that's – You're right. I mean, it's – and, you know, you look at some teams that have them, and then I look at Detroit. I don't know what's happening there. I'm sure Larkin – I hope Larkin gets signed. I wouldn't let him leave. I mean, that's one of those things. And he's not a true number one. He's probably a number two on a good team. But I I look at Buffalo, Craig, and I I wonder – you know, we always compare to the Stanley Cup championship team, right? It's Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis four or five years ago. What did they do right? But they added the big pieces at the different times. But to me, Buffalo is one of those teams that – Are they kind of a blueprint right now for a team like the Blue Jackets? Where I know they got the first overall pick. They got elite defensemen. They've got some great forwards, and they've added some good pieces. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think the Buffalo Sabres are positioning themselves to be a Stanley Cup contender for a lot of years. A lot of years for exactly the reasons you pointed out. You know, Luka is a really good goaltender. They've been patient with him. You know, you look at the blue line, really good. Then up front, you know, you, you, you have Cousins, you have Tage Thompson, you have Alex Tuck, and that's allowed Skinner and Olison to just do their thing. They don't have to do more. You know, when you have less, when, when, you, ask, when you ask fewer players to do more, good luck. Good, I think that's why Lou Lamoriello made the trade for Bo Horvat. You know, it's not just what Bo Horvat brings, but he also takes some of the burden off of Barzell and Nelson and, and Andrews Lee. And that's where, when you have that skill and you have that ability up front, and you can play the game in different ways, and you can play it with skill, and you can play with size. Uh, I think, Jody, to your point, that's a blueprint for success. <laughs>
0: With Craig Button from TSN, you talked about the the draft and you talked about the guys that are expected to be one, two, three at the top of that draft. Um, you know, it's really sad that when I watch the the Ducks and the Blackhawks go to overtime and one of them win, that I'm really excited about it. <laughs> but that's what happened yesterday. So the Blue Jackets right now are sitting in dead last place in the league. Connor Bedard, we read a lot, we hear a lot. You are you're right on this thing when it comes to the top prospects in the draft is this guy truly a generational player
2: i i think he is you know you know I, i'm very careful about using the word because i don't want it to be lessened when we're applying it and you know you watch him play and and the question gets asked and and, and and you know i i came up to the line but i wasn't then i started to straddle the line and it was at the world junior when i when i kept watching him dominate he he didn't just play well he dominated the tournament. dominated the last player at that age that dominated the tournament like that was Wayne Gretzky in 1978. That's how long it was. And 19-year-olds don't dominate the tournament like- I mean, And so I kept thinking to myself, so I'm comparing him to Gretzky. You go back and see what he did in the Western Hockey League. You see what he's done every single moment from the time he turned uh, when, when he became a junior player in Regina in the Western Hockey League. All he's done is dominated every single level, every single every, – like he just shreds it. And I just said, I can't straddle it anymore. He's a generational player. And, you know, it's not like he just like is doing better than the other players. He's doing it by a wide margin, like a wide, the gap is huge between what he's doing at these tournaments and in his league to what everybody else is doing. And they're good players. We're not talking about players he's doing it against that are, you know, bottom of the lineup players they are good players. And to me, he he just has so much in his game so much that, that that allows him to impact the game in so many different ways and you know you you know I, I I've said it about Columbus you take him put him between Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine oh boy watch <laughs> out <laughs> we'd
0: <laughs> like to see that yeah yeah we yeah we all would if it's not him and let's just say um the Fantilli being the second guy and that I was talking about this the other day. Remember, of course, the uh, McDavid and Eichel situation, it always was like, well, if you don't get the the number one, you get a very nice consolation prize in Jack Eichel. That didn't work out well in Buffalo at all and, and you know caused more headaches than it did uh, good fortune there. But um, if it were Fantilli or even Carlson uh, to go three deep on that, is, it, uh, is that a consolation prize that you should be happy with as a franchise?
2: Number one centers with size and skill, are always coveted, so you know, like it, it, it's not a draft where you're looking at, at at a clear cut. Like it's not Sidney Crosby, and and this is no criticism of Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan went too. you know. It's it's not, but there's a huge drop off there. The, the, yeah, B- Conor Bedard stands alone at number one, but when you get a, a, a player like Adam Fantilli, a hard-driving, skilled, competitive centerman with, 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 with size, and Leo Carlson, a little bit more on the playmaking side, but competitive and hard with size, you know, you start to plug those guys in you know Not only do they help your team in so many different ways, they become a bear to play against. And so I don't care if it's Bedard or Fantilli or Carlson. I mean, if we just look at the center ice position, I I I, I don't see how uh, you, you can't be. You're disappointed that you don't get the first pick in Bedard, but there's there's not a level of disappointment. That goes on, oh, geez, what the, you know? That would have been really nice. Now where else do we get that? There's a really good option at number two and three, I think.
0: So, in other words, just stay in the top three. Don't fall out of the top three. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that that would be a good idea. I mean, the Mitch but, is... but keep in mind with the new lottery system, let's just say Columbus has uh, the best odds for the draw. Even if they don't win the, the, the first draw or the second draw, the worst they can pick is third. The worst Columbus being in the last spot, because there's only two spots available now, one and two.
0: What about the uh, the Russian kid, uh, the Mitch Which kid? Uh, and I know that... T- you know, that's the whole how long will it take him to come over if he does. But where does he rank on your board?
2: Well, there's no question he's skilled. And he's he's the ultimate wild card. I mean, if you talk about a wild card of all wild cards, Matt Mitchkoff is that. Number one, he, he he's a very skilled player. Number two... You know he's got that long contract in uh, in uh, in Russia till he can't come until he's t- until twenty twenty six. Then we have the the international challenge with the with the war in Ukraine and, and everything that's going on there. And and then I would add another thing too. Waiting for him until twenty twenty. There's going to be other players that are going to come in and play. And so it's not just about waiting on Mitchkov. It's about okay, what are you foregoing with other players that could come in and help your team? In, the, in, in that period of time, in the absence of him. And, you know, maybe Mitch Goff comes in and, and ends up being a terrific player. And I think he's got the skill to be a real top-notch player. But there's a lot of considerations that go into selecting him. The other thing, no, no key decision-makers on any NHL team are watching live. You're drafting this high in the draft, you need eyes on the price. And that's another factor that comes in the, with Matt Fidemich No,
0: oh, that's a great point. Well, you know what? I'm really glad we got to talk to you I'm really sorry we have to talk about the draft so in-depth in the second week of February <laughs> that's well, where we're at
2: you yeah, to recognize where you're at exactly. right and, you know if, if it's cold outside you better put on a winter coat right exactly and, you know right now it's uh, it's February and the blue jackets find themselves here but as I said I think there's lots of reason for optimism and you know the the this the, the the prospect pool and the cupboard is is really good in my view with with players that can be difference makers. I, I, I use that term difference makers because a lot of teams have prospects. Do you have difference makers?
0: Craig, thank you so much. Great to talk with you. Great insight. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Craig.
2: Any anytime, you guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: That is Craig Button from TSN. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on ninety-seven point one, The Fan. New 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They start at just 11 games, and you can choose the seats and the games that you want, and you can also save up to 28%. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Bob McKellie and Jody Shelley with you, ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Home and home, Toronto Maple Leafs, Friday night in Columbus, Saturday night in Toronto. Jody, you talked about it earlier. This is uh, hit the ground running here. you got to be up to speed right away. How do you see this matchup between these two teams?
1: Well, I mean, Toronto's a team now that's getting ready and dialed up for the playoffs. I mean, they're a team that, you know, this is the final push. There's no more breaks, and we talk about it all the time. Thanksgiving, Christmas, all-star break. Now the last segment of the season is about to start, and it's a grind. Um, I think it's uh, it's exciting for the Blue Jackets. You know, you look at when how they went into Calgary with all that juice with Johnny Goudreau. Everyone, the, the The Leafs are the Yankees of the National Hockey League. Everyone wants to kick them down and take a notch out of their their white and blue uh, organization every time they play them. So there'll be a lot of excitement in Nationwide Arena on Friday night. And I think there'll be a lot of Lease fans that'll travel down who will never have an opportunity to watch a Toronto Maple Leafs game in Toronto because the ticket prices are too high and the demand is too high. So I think that'll bring a, a fun atmosphere on a Friday night for the first game back. And I think the Blue Jackets, you know what? They've got nothing to lose at this point. And I think they're going to come out and play, hopefully play, that brand of hockey that we'd like to see them play, like we saw glimpses of uh, in that Western Canadian trip and, and out in Seattle where... You know, they could play a little bit physical. They stuck together as a team. They attacked the net. Uh, th- there was a lot of good things to, uh, for, for them to play and, and, and to remember uh, in recent history. So, uh, but, but, you know, if you let Toronto run and gun and get their offensive guys going and give them power plays, it's going to be a long two games. So the Blue Jackets understand that. So I think it'll be fun. Always after the break, you're excited to get back and get things going, and why not get it going, not against a team that you uh, – You know, you don't know much about – everyone knows about the Toronto Maple Leafs and how good they have to be and how they have to win every single period, every single game. Uh, And for the Blue Jackets, it's a a great challenge.
0: Tougher for either a forward or a defenseman coming out of this break. Well, I should include the goalie too. I mean, look, you're going to practice, but you haven't done it for over a week. It's been 10 days. And now you've got to do it uh, at uh, high octane. And I guess they do too. But, uh, but, you know, based on the way Toronto was built, as you were just saying, if it gets to be run and gun, then – uh, I hope you did some cardio on your on your break.
1: I'd say tougher for the coach than anything. Uh, you know, I can only speak as a left winger, and but I never looked at my line mate and thought, "Oh, you gotta, this is gonna be way tougher for you." Or a defenseman to think, "Oh, the boy, this is gonna be hard." You think they thought that about you? No, you know, <laughs> I had to do some other things, but. You know, I know. You just get in the locker room and say, all right, break's over. I expect you to be the best you can be. I mean, this is what we're doing here, right, professional athletes. So I don't think it's tougher for anybody. If I'm going to analyze that, I would probably say the goaltender because, you know, I haven't seen a lot of pucks. It's been a long break. What do you do? I mean, there's no no, uh, dry run or practice for screens and tips and bodies and collisions and shots and plays. So uh, if I was going to feel – a little bit, I mean a tiny bit sorry for anyone to be the goaltender.
0: Now, also, as you get back to play, we're talking about just a couple of weeks until the trade deadline. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, uh, Craig Button, mentioned him a couple of minutes ago. You know, that's out there. Gus Nyquist, he's injured. He's not going to be playing here, but could he still get traded for a conditional draft pick? But you've talked about this before, and I'm sure you will again as we get closer to the trade deadline. Even guys that Maybe safe, or they think they're safe. There's still one eye kind of looking over the shoulder, right? Oh, when yeah. you're when you're on a team in the situation that this team's in.
1: Of course, I mean it's uh, it's a relief for everyone uh, after the deadline, unless you have a no move clause, right? A new, no trade clause. It's a relief that you're here and you don't have to go pack and you don't have to move and meet new players and new teams. So, um, yeah, it, that's just the fact of it. This is they all understand what's coming down the pipe here, March third. And they understand that a lot of these players, or some of these players for sure, Gavrikov, will probably not be with the organization anymore. So, uh, you know, you get kind of get in that mode where you walk in the locker room and say, oh, you're still here. Kind of have some fun with it. And I think that's what happens a lot, especially in this situation with the Blue Jackets where they're at
0: last in the league. Uh, we know, all bets are off in, in this scenario. And we talked with John Davidson last week on this show. Uh, another thing to watch in these next couple of weeks is as they, uh, as they tweak and they maneuver, are there any guys that – go to Cleveland to get a little bit more experience to play and to try to get that team into the playoffs, those kind of things. You know, we, we've talked about that. We've got um, what Lane Peterson hasn't even played for the Blue Jackets yet, right? They, tra- they grabbed him that's off right. waivers from Vancouver right before the break. He had to get the immigration work done. So there's a new body that's going to come into the mix.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's kind of, you got to have bodies that can fill roles right now. Anyone that's nicked up or, or needs some time to heal, they've, they've got to work on getting them back and, I was interested – I thought Craig Button's point there was interesting about Gus Nyquist because, you know, could he come back and could he be a value to some team? I, You know, it sounded initially like that was going to be a major – he was done for the season, but it sounds like what he said that maybe there's some talk that he could actually still be traded as an asset and help a team in the playoffs. So good for Gus if that does happen. Uh, and that if that does happen, that creates another space for, for these guys in Cleveland who have tried to stay healthy and get called up here this year. And then a guy like Peterson.
0: And uh, when you're talking about that, you don't have to look that far back in history. Riley Nash, that was the situation, remember? That's right. He had the knee injury. They traded him a conditional pick, and if he played X amount of games, then the, the pick would be a better pick, which it was, which he got to play in those games. And, you know, Gus is that kind of guy. You, I don't have to tell you. You're closer to him than I am. But he is – if he's able to play, he's going to play. And if he gets dealt to a team that is in the playoffs – He's a Swiss Army knife. He yeah. can go wherever they need him in the lineup.
1: Big boost. I mean, there's a lot to like about how he carries himself in the locker room and around the team, but also how he competes on pucks. So, uh, yeah, it'd be a, to me it would be a smart pickup for a team that just say, okay, yeah, exactly, conditional pick. We don't know what's going to cost us. We don't know what's going to work out. But if it does, it would be great to have that for the second. Say it's the second round of the playoffs, you know, something like that.
0: And that also doesn't mean that he would never wear Blue Jackets uniform of again. Of course. Because he becomes an unrestricted free agent in the summer.
1: Yep. and uh, he'd be a nice piece to have back here with this team.
0: So we'll see what happens. The story begins on Friday. The sprint to the finish begins on Friday when the Blue Jackets open against the Maple Leafs at Nationwide Arena. That's a 7 o'clock game. Hockey is for every one night on Friday night at Nationwide Arena. So make sure you're there to get your tickets. Go to bluejackets.com slash tickets. Thanks to Craig Button for joining us on tonight's show. Thanks to you for being there as always. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long. This has been the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fans.